0: Certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at Lucent in Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon,
1: and every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, "Oh God, is she going to be the next victim?"
0: Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years.
2: For the first time, it's been revealed in court Kira Glennon may have been struck on the back of her head in the moments before her death. Welcome to day 32 of Claremont in Conversation. Natalie Bongiolo in the studio with Alison Fan, and calling in from court is Tim Clark. Now, this is information you're only able to report now after the judge agreed to, late this afternoon to lift this temporary suspension order, suppression order that we heard about yesterday.
1: That's right. And um, Tim, you were there, um, but mm. he was um, hinting quite earlier that he was uncomfortable with this Suppression order because he wants to run an open court. He wants justice to be seen to be done. And he did intimate this morning that he uh, the collateral, I think, injuries or impact that's done to families during this um, was not usually a reason to suppress the court or suppress evidence in the court. Mm. And after the challenge from our lawyers, um, that was overturned. Tim, you were there.
0: Yeah, it was very strong, actually. Now, I've got to say, it's not often um, judges uh, come out as strongly as Justice Hall did this afternoon. Um, so just to give a bit of context for the listeners, uh, as we discussed yesterday, this suppression order was put in place after an application by the prosecution, um, which came on the back of some entreaties from the uh, Rimmer and the Glennon families. They had been spared the um, the, the intimate details of the post-mortem for all these years and still wished to be spared from them and there was also mention of maintaining the dignity of both Miss Rimmer and Miss Glennon. So that was a temporary suppression order that was put on by the judge while he heard this evidence. He said he would listen to it and then uh, he would make a a decision um, when the time was right. In the meantime uh, as Seven West Media, one of the larger Media organisations in Perth. We felt it was um, we were duty bound, somewhat, to to just let the court know what our feelings were, were on that, and we did via a letter to the court, which then uh, led to a, a a proposed suppression order that didn't go that far, but would or would still maintain the dignity of, of the, the 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 victims. Um, our lawyers, the prosecution, the defense, and Justice Hall then got together in court this afternoon and basically thrashed that out. And in that process, Justice Hall reiterated that he was slightly uncomfortable, or certainly uncomfortable with a blanket suppression order, but he was was even slightly uncomfortable with some of the terms that had been put forward after negotiations, if you like, between the prosecution and the lawyers representing our company. And so he, in the end, came up with a solution that um, allayed the main fear and, and um, worry of the Glennon and Rimmer family, which, which related to mentions of um, the intimate areas, so is the way it was phrased in the suppression order. But then everything else that we'd heard over the past two days regarding the post-mortems, we we were free to publish. But he also said that the media must keep in mind that they need to do it fairly, accurately uh, accurately and as sensitively as possible. Um, And so that's where we ended up.
2: Okay, so... In a nutshell, now you've both been sitting in the court for the past two days and now you are able to tell us what you've been listening to for the past couple of days. Can you just talk us through some of that evidence?
0: Well, yeah, Nat, it's been, um, as you can imagine, um, pretty um, grisly um, listening at times. Um, Dr Karen Margolius, who performed both post-mortems, is sadly no longer us. she passed away. Uh, her reports, um, initial reports from the crime scene and then um, uh, further reports of, um, of the post-mortems were read into the evidence by Carmel Barbara Gallo, the prosecutor, and that took quite a while because, as you can imagine, with with two victims, um, such extensive examinations needed to be done that took, took a long time. Um, and then uh, since then, we've been hearing from Dr. Uh, Clive Cook, who's another pathologist who was present at some of the crime scenes and the postmortems, worked very closely together with Dr. Margolius um, and so was witness to some of the injuries and some of the um, the decomposition of the body, so could give first-hand accounts, but also was able to comment on Dr. Margolius's accounts. And the main takeaway of that um, in terms of Uh, Evidence that we hadn't heard before was, as you said, off the top map that um, Dr. Margolius um, found and concluded that there was a small um, depressed fracture at the back of Kira's head that um, she thinks could have been made with a sharp object, but that she definitely said would have um, left Kira stunned. uh, partially semi-conscious maybe, um, and she also said that that, uh, that fracture was made um, at or around the time of her death. So what we can conclude from that is that there was some sort of heavy Im- impact to the back of Kira's head, which would have left her in a very vulnerable pos- position and more, even more vulnerable than she was already. Um, and then obviously the, the, the wounds that she suffered um, it came at or around the same time.
1: And both women also, um, although she did say that with Jane Rimmer too, um, uh, that both girls suffered defensive wounds um, on their arms. And we, we did hear some of this in the prosecution's opening, but yesterday Dr Clive Cook actually demonstrated how these defensive wounds occur when anybody puts both arms up, like he said a boxer would do. Uh, they call it a pugilistic stance, and both um, the victims had these uh, fairly deep wounds to both arms. Um, Tim, the the uh, death of Jane Rimmer was inconclusive, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that's right, Ali. Um, so uh, the pathologist's job uh, is is multi-layered. Um, obviously, they're looking for evidence that might be used in a in a criminal. Um, Setting or or, or, uh, or case, but it's also that their job is also to report back to the coroner um, and to come up with a, an official cause of death. And in Jane's case, um, even though she did conclude that there were significant a, a significant neck defect um, visible, uh, mm-hmm. despite the um, the length of time that Jane had been exposed to the elements, um, but. Because of that, and because of the uh, decomposition, that she wasn't um, able to conclude um, conclusively that that was the the actual cause of death. So, uh, 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 James' uh, cause of death will remain um, inconclusive or, or unconfirmed, um, despite um, the, all the all the evidence we've heard about the the defensive wounds, as Ali's mentioned, and this prominent neck injury
2: Did uh, Jane Rimmer have a head injury?
0: Um, Well once again Matt it was was really hard to determine that because of the length of time that Jane had been exposed to the elements Um, and uh, as as much as we hate to say it we are now allowed to say it there had also been some significant um, animal predation of Mm -hmm. the body um, over the, the, the 55 days that she was out there and so um, the, the, there were other um, wounds to her um, which were not in in dr. Margolis's conclusion made by a sharp instrument um, or a bladed instrument but uh, had been um, the uh, the result of, of animals um, so in terms of a, a blunt force injury or sharp force injury um, or any sort of fractures to Jane it that that really couldn't be determined um, because because of, um, of of what had happened to her post mortem
1: in um, Dr. Margolius's report, she actually said it was impossible to tell uh, whether Jane Rimmer had been strangled because of the state of the body. But she believed there had been no uh, fracture to the skull and no broken bones. Uh, that the, the um, yeah I think we'll just sort of not get into the other stuff, but um, but as far as that goes, that's what she said as far as um, any fractures went. Um, Because of the state of the body, um, she thought she could tell that.
2: Yeah. And you both mentioned the defensive wounds and um, Mm. Alison was, when she was talking about that, she was demonstrating. And if you can just picture, uh, she has both her arms up with her fists clenched in front of her face, um, just like a boxer. So can you talk to us about what the defensive wounds on the forearms, were
0: well, they were long um, and deep cuts. Right? Um, di- different arms for both women, um, but in in Jane's case, uh, Dr. Cook described them as classic defensive injuries. And and you can imagine if you are being attacked, you would instinctively. Put your hands in front of your face with your little finger pointing outwards, and that—that that was where both these cuts um, were noted on 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 both um, the both Jane and and Kira. Um, they they stretched um, in Kira's case uh, from the upper arm right over the elbow to the to the lower arm. Um, uh, in, in Jane's case, a little bit uh, less than that, and it. it a a little bit lower than that, from the forearm to basically the front of the hand to the the base of the little finger. Um, And so uh, the similarity there um, is is something the prosecution have pointed to before and will certainly return to um, when they come to to wrap up the case um, and and argue that that they must have been attacked by the same person.
1: He said it's actually recognized didn't he that it's called a pugilistic boxing position
0: yeah
1: um, with both arms up and he said the wounds were from a sharp object possibly a knife yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going
2: to cut in and and, um, let you know if you can hear something that sounds like a helicopter buzzing in the background, that's because there is a helicopter buzzing in the background. It's hovering above the building where we're recording um, because we're in Western Australia and it's summer at the moment and there is a a bushfire watch and act. So it could be very well that. We're not quite sure because we're sitting in the bunker, but if you are hearing a noise, um, that's what it is. Now, um, obviously, the um, you would have also heard about the neck defects, which is how they're being talked about in um, the courtroom. Can you tell us a little bit about both of those on both of the victims?
0: Well, these are in certainly in Kira's case. Um, Dr. Margolis concluded that that is that is what killed her. Um, in Jane's case, uh, it, it, it's it's very likely or, or, or there was a likelihood that that was the same but but they it couldn't be concluded conclusively uh, what I can say about both those is that they were um, they were very large um, very deep very significant and would obviously have been uh, enormously um, traumatic to to go through Jane's case um, it was described at the front of the neck but stretching out towards the collarbone and then down to just above the the, um, the breastbone and that was on the front and then in Kira's case it was there were similar wounds but at the back of the head and going down well, one going down at the back of the head and then towards the right of the right of her face and then another one horizontal going basically right the way across the back of her neck um uh, in Kira's case also we know that there was significant blood loss because she d- was still dressed and there was uh, significant staining of her, of her clothes um we also know that the, the these wounds then uh, became um were part of the, the decomposition of the body and and for that reason it was it was for that reason that doctors Cook and Margolius said that they were um they were done um anti-mortem so before um before uh, the girls died so um obviously very violent injuries very brutal injuries um, but the fact that they were both again the similarities the fact that they were both in the neck region they were both there were multiple cuts um, will again be a point that the, the prosecution will point to and return to
1: and um, Dr Margolia said that she believed that Jane Rimmer had been dumped within six hours of being killed. There was a bit of a professional differences in um, the time elements, uh, wasn't there, as far as uh, whether they were killed right there, whether had they had been killed somewhere else and moved. But either way, both bodies ended up in a very similar position. Um, Dr Cook differed slightly in when they were getting down to the nitty gritty of Positions of the blood and where it was positioned, and even the judge asked that question too, um, because apparently after death, uh, what they call lividity, which is where the blood cools down and settles, they can tell by the colour of that um, where how long it's been there. We did hear that Dr. Magalia said within six hours.
0: Mm, Yes, that that was her that was her conclusion she 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 came to, but Dr. Cook wouldn't or couldn't be um, as Certain of that, um, which which um, I mean could could be a point that dif- the defence um, uh, pick up on um, when we resume um, next week. Um, but once again, I, I I don't think there's any real argument um, it, about the fact of, of when Jane was killed because we we know. When she was last seen, and we and we have vision of the actual last moment she was last seen, or CCTV vision of it at least, um, and then wasn't obviously um, at that uh, at that family uh, gathering the following day. So, uh, the, the, yeah, a slight professional um, difference of opinion, but mm. n- not one that's really going to make a huge amount of difference to uh, to the overall case. I don't think.
2: And we've previously heard that um Kira there was a lot of blood pulled there, and so um that it was quite possible that she had been killed where she was found
0: um, i mean I, I, I think it's almost certain um, that that was the uh, that was the outcome um there was a lot of we had heard previously there, there was actually a, a layer of soil um from underneath Kira's body that was actually taken for for sampling and testing as well um and so that that was clearly the conclusion that the police uh, or the detectives or the, or the the intuition that the detectives were working on as well that, that, that that's what's happened um and with evidence to come we've heard a little bit about it um of the the, the state of Kira's clothing particularly the shirt and um, her, her bra had some blood staining on it as well. Um, I, I'm sure that will be explored um, more fully as 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 we uh, as we go through um, the, some more forensic evidence next week.
2: Was there any further information in relation to Kira's broken thumbnail?
1: There was some. There was some uh, thing that tweaked my interest only when they were talking about. Fingernails decomposing as well, which uh, the judge actually picked up on and asked um, Dr. Cook, "Does that indeed happen?" And he said, "What did he say to me? Is yes, they did they can fall yeah. off?" Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it can be part of the decomposition process, but um, but what what, what stood out to me and was Dr. Margolis' statement when she was referring to Kira was that the other nails that she noticed were. You know, Manicured. I mean, mm-hmm. they were they were intact, and they were. Um, I think uh, Barbara Gallo referred to it in her opening statement as beautifully manicured. I mean, and so it was it, it, the the broken thumbnail, which we we really do know is really important, um, did did stand out to her uh, um, at first blush, really, at the, at the first real um, viewing of the of the body, and um, and and as we know, they paid particular attention to it to, to take cuttings of those nails during the post um which we will hear so much more about um, in the weeks and months to come.
2: And I guess um, from a forensic sense it it does point to the fact that um, they are saying that these injuries these various injuries are unlikely to be old or, uh, or for anything have been sitting there for any length of time this is all very close to the time of death.
0: Yeah, correct. Matt. I mean, that, that, that is the conclusion that that Dr. Margolis reached, that Dr. Cook agreed with, um, that because uh, there were adva- there were advanced um, states of decomposition around the wounds, which meant um, that they were open to the elements when the bodies were placed in the elements. If you if you know what I mean, they weren't done after, um, and they hadn't been done uh, at any significant time before. Um, and they can tell that basically by the uh, by the by the decomposition rates of the body.
1: Is that the end of the pathologists? No, uh, we have we have at least one more, um, and we'll be hearing her next week being a public holiday here with Australia Day on the Monday. They won't resume until Tuesday, and um, we will be able to report um, her findings as well. Uh, then, of course, I think probably with them we 've got what have we got coming up after that? some more forensic um, DNA stuff or
0: yeah, we think that after that so we've got more of dr cookie on on Tuesday. he will also be cross examined he's
1: quite you know,
0: lengthy um, another uh, Dr Olana Buck, who is an anthropologist, but um, mainly in this process was was examining bones um, and then after that we believe we understand that we will get to Path West um, staff and um, operatives who were obviously involved in um, collection of uh, and most importantly storage of exhibits um, but then also movement of exhibits at various times over this vast timeline including to overseas um, and this will, is where the continuity evidence, potential contamination evidence will really start to be rolled out. And we, we, we think, we anticipate the chief amongst those will be the chief at the time, uh, Laurie Webb, um, who we've discussed previously. He transported the nails to um uh, the UK for when they were tested, he, and he, he also had uh, issues towards the end of his career, which led, led to him being dismissed from, from PathWest um, in, uh, in in the mid uh, 2010s. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be uh, again a very interesting week, um, probably quite a trying week um, for for all of us, but um, but it's um, it, it, it rolls on.
1: Yeah. And on um, just the nature of the trial, we have to listen to all of this because it is the crux of the trial. It's um, They can't minimise anything. And, of course, the defence will then hone in on on, on things too. And that's why the details are so explicit and graphic yes. and biological.
2: I think there'll be great interest in um, this evidence that's coming up, particularly from Path West and, yeah. and Laurie Webb, and I think uh, people will be Listening to find out just how far that um, contamination, uh, you know, evidence goes.
0: Yeah, well, it's just—I mean, it is a defence hypothesis at the moment. That so uh, we haven't—we uh, haven't had any evidence yet, no. but that—that that is what they're working. On or towards, or suggesting on or towards, and so that, that is where this evidence will be going. And uh, um, I mean, and, and whether it's proved one way or the other could, could be the tipping point um, on a verdict one way or the other.
2: Yeah, well, thank you both for your time this week. That wraps up week seven of the trial. For more information, head to thewest.com.au. We'll be back on Monday with a special episode, Remembering Sarah Spears, which is on the 24th anniversary of her disappearance. Join us then.
0: This podcast was produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. Enjoying this podcast? If the story behind the headline matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver. For more on Claremont The Trial, follow the live blog. Watch the nightly news updates and sign up for daily email updates at thewest.com.au. Subscribe now for just a dollar a day at thewest.com.au.